0: talk to me. Where's Raymond Clark? He's gone. He went back down to hide. Where is he hiding? He's hiding in the night country. We're all in the night country now. Drop it. Duncan and both come correct.
1: So the person that I work with, Mm -hmm. uh, like right across the hall from me, is deep into this season of True Detective.
2: Oh, right. So they're going to talk and about so, it with Yes, you, as
1: you. soon as I walk in the door, not on Mondays, like it airs Sunday nights, not on Mondays, but Tuesday morning because she watches Monday nights. Mm-hmm. And so first thing Tuesday morning, and in fact, the la- for episode five, she was like, hey, um... I I almost sent you a text about what was happening in the show, because I figured you had already seen it.
0: No! And I was like,
1: you can't do that shit. Uh, You gotta give me some kind of heads up if that's gonna be the case. Um, So, at any rate, that is, like I said, I'm not making excuses. This is...
2: No, that's um, that's a, like I, I'm I'm I, I'm surprised that I have avoided spoilers if I'm honest. Um it goes to show how far removed I am from social media at the moment. But um yeah, like we we'll catch up with this pretty quick. We record this today and then we're technically recording Sunday. Yes. Yeah, that's episode five, and then right. the following week six we're done. Yeah. So yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, mean, like, we're, believe it or not, Duncan, we're almost wrapped up with this season. We've got it, which, which sounds crazy, but it's true.
2: I know. Uh, Yeah.
1: And just like being stuck between the moon and New York City. You know what? I almost made that same reference (laughs) and I was like, nah, that's too old, right? You can't, you can't walk around saying, Arthur song references in this, the year of our Lord 2024, can you? Yeah, you can. Of course, you can. <laughs> um, I believe the kids call that lit. Um, oh, is that what they call it? I've not clue. I've uh, not clue. All right. I'm sorry. I so here's the thing. I did. We were all for a few days, mm-hmm. and so I've been having this really nagging problem uh with my computer, Duncan. Mm-hmm. Um, that was leading to lots and lots of uh, lots of trouble. Where, um, it would just pause for a second, like there would be a stutter of like a second and a half, where everything mm-hmm. just slowed down, didn't crash or anything, but it slowed down and it started to fuck with the recordings and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so while I was off for a couple of extra days, and um, maybe I'm bearing the lead, but I also finished all my additional classwork for teaching so i'm Mm -hmm. done going to school to be a teacher Uh, i just have to continue to do the job um they they seem insistent on that part (laughs) (laughs) but uh but so i took the time to to be like fuck it i'm gonna wipe the whole thing and start from Mm -hmm. scratch and that's so that's what i've been doing is like i've got to set everything back up the good the
2: alien too to
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Different from, from Yeah. Orbit. yeah. yeah. <laughs> the the problem though, Duncan. Um not really a problem but an interesting side note as as part of that process is um I think I figured out what was causing it. I think it was fucking Adobe. And Adobe. Yeah. Cuz I think there was something that they had installed like something at the root level that mm-hmm. was doing scans periodically. Oh, and, right. And I couldn't figure out how and why the scans were happening. It was driving me fucking crazy. And But now, like, no more. It Like, oh, we, we have apparently solved the problem. And, you know, we are all systems go, so I couldn't be more excited.
0: Yay!
1: Yay. <laughs> uh, fucking Adobe. Uh-huh. I, I'm pretty sure... I can't say that with 100% certainty, but it's one of the few things that I haven't reinstalled. And... Mm-hmm and it's the only one that i know is like installing a lot of system tray shit right so anyway um also duncan here we are uh talking about true detective <laughs> well I, I, i'm not Almost. sure if you are aware of what we did on the show
2: Don't know, like i thought this was
1: like let's talk about other things team duncan as far as i'm concerned we can talk about whatever you want i'm just happy to be with you <laughs> what do you have on your mind oh man i'll tell you they know a lot a lot more all right so, so much <laughs> so anyway duncan uh yes. so we've been back this is our fourth episode that we're recording now yes. and so the the first episode comes out and i'm I, like i'm tracking the numbers because i'm not above it uh i like you know yeah you do it for the love of the game duncan sure always the hustle but always like 10 percent hustle Uh, a little bit a little bit of grift because that's how i like to live my life just just a hint of grift (laughs) not a lot nothing that could land you in jail but just a little something on the side and (laughs) um like me being in a classroom is a little bit of a grift oh you have to yeah you have to but um so I, I'm watching the numbers. The first episode comes out and and it does really well. And I oh. like people were still listening. It was really nice. It was like, oh well, people did care, and and even after being gone for a while, people really showed up for the show. And that was nice to see. Mm-hmm. And and then I look at the numbers for the second episode, and that's a good Duncan. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't as good as episode one, which led me to think <laughs> Which led me to think that people listened to the first one and were like, you know what, maybe I didn't miss them as much as I think I did. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
2: Oh, I love that idea. I love and that idea of what like that I wonder what this sounds like in twenty twenty four. Nope. Yeah. Okay. Not for me, turns out. Just not for me maybe maybe that time off matured them
1: nope no 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 no. if anything we've regressed but but here's the funny thing i i only bring that up like if it were this were just a tale of misery and woe duncan i wouldn't bother mm-hmm. to tell it plenty of bad news out there
2: yeah, the the entirety of every human interaction in the upcoming episode that we're about to discuss, of True yeah. Detective, the most miserable episode of television I've ever fucking watched.
1: Yeah, shit gets grim. Uh, True Detective, a <laughs> uh, True, de- yeah, True Detective Night Country episode for shit gets grim.
2: Yeah, the the Christmas episode is the most. <laughs> fucking darkest thing ever yeah, yeah
1: it it very much is and oh, anyway so i am like excited to jump into that but but more uh about our tale of woe when last mm-hmm. we left our heroes and numbers were down in episode two <laughs> um but duncan episode three bigger than both of them like is hey welcome back everybody yeah maybe maybe and here's (laughs) all right so here's my theory on this is it is this the end
2: is this like the reverse star trek movie so like instead of all the odd ones being the bad ones all our odd number episodes are great and all our even ones
1: are shit yeah exactly duncan um yeah it's it's a reverse star trek that's how i've got in my notes here (laughs) the old reverse star trek Duncan, they, and I should have led with that in fairness <laughs> Duncan they pulled the old reverse star trek on us and we could have skipped <laughs> all of this because you would have known exactly what I meant <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah 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 so again very nice that you know people uh, followed along and all that stuff so yeah it was, it was heartwarming uh, to see um, yeah,
2: so. like Bo can be thankful for you. I'm just gonna say, fucking pick your shoes up, ladies and gentlemen, and listen to all the episodes equally.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Right. What the fuck was wrong with episode two? What the fuck? Yeah, episode two, I thought was one of our better ones. It was one of the best shows I've ever done.
2: <laughs> Maybe people should go back and listen to it again.
1: If if memory serves, that was the giant stuffed animal in the trash bin story. <laughs> yeah, and no one will be seated.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was almost, almost, almost when the show became uh, Duncan and Bear. Come correct.
1: Uh huh. Um, oh so. man! If only. <laughs> what could have been? What could have been? I'm gonna uh, get well. Five Nights at Freddy's by this giant fucking of- <laughs> thing. But sure enough, it disappeared. Like so, they took have it. I did not that get that trailer.
2: It. Have you seen that trailer for that other Blumhouse movie, which is about a, like an imaginary? Like my daughter's obsessed with the trailer, but I can't remember what it's, it might be called. Imagination, but it's a. Uh, it's a, a teddy bear, and it's a maybe an avatar for something beyond the veil. And I was watching it, and it was like, it was like Blumhouse. And there used to be a time when Blumhouse came up, and it would be like the studio that brought you, and it was just a list of actually relatively good. Yeah, horror movies. Yeah. yeah, like the the list that it like, led with. Five Night at Freddy's, and I'm like, what the fuck are we doing here, <laughs> Blum? <Blumhouse?" laughs> like, 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 I think the third billing of the the movies that I mentioned was Invisible Man, which is a fucking great horror movie. So, sure. I'm like, that's your lead. You lead with that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, uh, Invisible Man, like, is like borderline Oscar winning film.
2: It's a great movie. Yeah. It's a great movie. And for some reason, Five Nights And the last thing you will be thinking about when that pops up is Five Nights at Freddy's. Oh, yeah. When I've literally just seen a movie about fucking possessed animatronic fucking stuffed animals just a couple of months ago. Oh, what's that? We've got another one. Yay. <laughs>
1: Oh man, that that movie's so fucking bad. So I bad. Hate that movie, so, so bad. Hey, so s- bad. speaking of movies, won't we do our, our good <laughs> and bad movies? It's almost like uh, th- this is a whole thing we talk about. Yeah. Um, possibly. we're not doing Five Nights at Freddy's. We've already talked about how shitty that movie is. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. Uh, but <laughs> Duncan, know. give me give me a a movie, good or bad, that you've been been digging on.
2: So I've got two goods. Um, this week I haven't actually seen anything bad, oh, which cool. is no fact take that back. No, no, no. I did see something that I didn't like. So hold, hold the thing that I didn't like for a minute. Let's talk about the thing that I did like. I got a chance to finally go out and check out um, the new Jonathan Glazer movie The Zone of Interest. I saw that last night. Oh, yeah. Um, Has not been playing in a lot of cinemas over here except kind of art house ones, but I was working away from home and I, the hotel that I stay at when I work in one of the offices in England is very close to a big multiplex cinema, which was shown, at, weirdly enough, and I was in this massive cinema room um, surrounded by about another three people that had went to see the movie, and it's only showing of the day. Um, so for those that don't know, the zone of interest uh, is um, Jonathan Glazer, director of Under the Skin Uh, teaming back up with Studio e 24 to release another very unsettling bit of cinema. In the case of this one, it kind of semi-documents the real-life person that was in charge of, I think he was the longest-standing commander at Auschwitz. Um, so the concentration camp and basically what you do in this movie is you spend time with him and his family going through the mundanity of his life essentially and the house that he lived in which is right against the wall of auschwitz so you've got you can over the wall you've got all the concentration camp buildings and and the sounds. The sin design in this movie is the most fucking unsettling thing I've heard in a long time. It's the sins of kind of dismay and despair. But you have this picturesque garden and this guy who has a wife and four kids and is essentially tending to what looks like a very normal life as a husband and father. Against the backdrop of this fucking horrible thing, the the movie never takes you inside Auschwitz, so you never oh, you never cross the wall, so you're purely with him, and okay. it's um it is easily one of the most unsettling things I've seen in any long 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 time. It's just like this guy, just like the 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 almost the the juxtaposition of him chatting with his son and then. The next second, getting ready to go into Auschwitz, which is just next door, um, is, is kind of is galling. Um, mm. And the movie, like, it starts off at a kind of uh, almost at kind of the macro level of them with the family situations. And as the movie slowly goes, it starts to expand out a bit more and a bit more and a bit more. Um, it's fucking excellent. It's absolutely phenomenal. Um, don't go in expecting. Any like scenes of torture. Don't go in expecting any.
1: Right, it's not Schindler's List.
2: No, well, like, right. it's definitely not that, and it's a snapshot of this character at a time. So it's not. It's not as if the movie ends with the Americans, you know, or the or the Russians liberating the the camp. That like, this is just a snapshot of his his life over a couple of months period. Um, and it's 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 fucking terrifying.
1: Um, as what it is. Do you find so? I assume that it's just kind of the the journey of this character emotionally.
2: Can, can, well, it's, it's not. Well, the thing about him is he. I mean, he was ultimately. I think like he was executed in nineteen forty seven for war crimes. So right, right, like,
1: right. He, like he. Like, there is no. Like there's no realization of like, oh my god, like you're
2: not you're not at the end of the movie. T- like the movie doesn't even at the end come up with he was executed in nineteen forty seven. That's yeah. just a fact I happen to know. Um it is just the the, the movie's not even taking a position. It is just saying, Look at this character, look at his family, look at how he is the dutiful husband, yeah, the the, the yeah. loving father. But he's also a fucking monster who is like he's been put there. Hitler put him there, or Himmler put him there specifically, because he just has this incredible fucking gift at being extremely efficient in murdering people. Um, it's just like he's he's a like a bean counter of people, um, and that that's the the line it straddles is this uh, how how someone could essentially switch from being one side of a coin to another. By virtue of crossing a wall, yeah, um, it's very, 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 very good. It's, huh. it's a Jonathan Glazer movie through and through, it's scored by the not that there's much in the way of score, but scored by the same artist that did the score for Under the Skin. Um, so like that team's there, like the camera work, the way it's shot, just everything about it is, but the sound design in particular, I was seeing it in a, like I say, big cinema room, and there were points where I was closing my eyes. hear the background noise and it's fucking chilling it's like it's like putting an ice cube down your spine and it's excellent it's excellent uh i people can moan all they want about a24 and all the rest but no other studio is putting that movie like that so
1: (laughs) right right yeah every right uh curse in one hand praise with the other because
2: yeah like any other studio would be like so what's the hook so how does how does he get his comeuppance? Right. So when, and then he's yeah. part of a soccer team. You said, yeah, like, like yeah. Like the, the, there's some sort of there's the, you know they want that hook and A24. Don't do that. They do character studies and they do it really, 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 really well. So, um, interestingly enough, the the woman that plays his wife is the one that's up for the Oscar for Anatomy of the Fall. Can't oh no She's shit, German actress. She's fucking yeah. excellent. She's terrifying in it. But she's terrifying in the way that how she's just normalized everything. Yeah, like her kit, like that's like it seems like like the mother-in-law comes to visit, right? Her mother comes to visit, but this guy's mother-in-law comes to visit, and she's talking about how well they've done for themselves because they've got this beautiful house and all the rest came from nothing Um, she keeps referring to the fact that she uh, worked for she worked as a house cleaner for the Jewish couple that owned um, uh, Simmons the the company, you know, the mobile phone company Mm -hmm. all the rest them and how you know they were jewish so they were probably in the camps in fact she might be in that she might be across the wall it's that kind of blasey way that they talk about things right and this this mother-in-law at one point wakes up in the middle of the night and there's a foul smell in the room and the foul smell is the smell of the furnaces burning people that she can see this glow from the lights And um, our daughter's, like, up in the morning getting ready for breakfast, and she's like, where's my mum and all the rest? And they're like, she's gone. And they're like, what do you mean she's gone? She's fucking gone. Like, like the bag's packed. No goodbye, no nothing. She's just out of there. But the kids, the kids are grown up with the... And it's it's relentless. You hear the, the sound of more trains coming, delivering people, and the sounds of people being dragged off and, like, altercations and gunshots and all the rest... And these kids are just grown up with that as the as the background noise to their life. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's excellent. Um, so that's the zone of interest. It can't be that far away. It's up for it's up for five Oscars. Can't be that far away from being out um, digitally for people to check out. I would highly recommend it. But it's not a Saturday night. It's not a date movie, let's
1: put it that way. <laughs> uh, I can tell you it is now available streaming. So, perfect, yeah, perfect.
2: Yeah. It's only just made cinemas over here. So um but yeah, I, I would I would highly recommend it. But don't don't like if you've just been promoted, don't shove the movie on. You know what I mean? Like if you just got married, don't like I don't know. You just celebrated the birthday. It's not that sort of movie. Sure. It's one of those kind of Friday nights, it's just been the worst she's been the worst week i'm gonna pour myself five fingers of whiskey and sit down and watch something that just confirms my feelings that humanity is a blight
1: Uh, yeah Uh you're a virus Um, (laughs) so my good is equally uh as impactful duncan it's a movie called thanksgiving by eli roth (laughs)
2: this isn't the first time you
1: watched is it yeah, yeah, yeah. I hadn't watched oh, it. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Like do we have to do, like do we have to like officially say Well done, Eli Roth, and pat him on the back? Because I think it's fucking great.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a really fun movie. Um yeah, it's the kind of movie he should have been making all along. All along, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's good. Uh I, like it's not gonna blow your mind. It is what it is. It's a very by the numbers kind of slasher. Mm-hmm. The thing that I think makes it really fun and and the reason that uh, like i watched a lot of shit but of everything i watched i was like you know i probably had the best time watching thanksgiving um and it's it's because it's kind of gleefully over the top oh yeah uh there there's one scene i think it might be at the parade or something but it's it's when the the guy uh is killed in the truck and um the blood keeps spurting on his daughter yeah and you can kind of tell that the actress is like okay (laughs) and and like she's She's kind of because she's really put out by it yeah and it's very funny it's a great reaction from her Mm. um yeah and it 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 just it's very gory it's a lot of practical effects and the other thing i really like about it is that leans into that and I'm I, one of the things I want to ask you about is this. It leans into that mass hole kind of cultural thing, yeah. And does that play for you? Like, do you understand where Massachusetts and you know that kind of particular persona that is 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 really it, kind it maybe of doesn't
2: transfer fully to the UK? Yeah. But I, I from from my from my perspective, watching it and like it was just the. It was a big, dumb, fun slasher movie, yeah. which almost kind of reveled in all the... Like, generally, re- it reveled in all the things that generally would annoy me about a slasher movie in a fun way. And I don't think it was trying to... like, it, was, it wasn't trying to be meta or anything like that at all. It just kind of reveled in, you know what? This genre, for the most part, most of the time, is kind of fucking stupid. Mm. So... Let's just lean into that, and the more gregarious and over the top it got, that that's the more fun I had um, while watching it. And it's really interesting because I think we're in a position now where you've got an Eli Roth making his version of a kind of very late seventies, very kind of early eighties dumb slasher movie, mm-hmm. and you've got someone like Ty West who's done his version of a slasher movie and X, but he's done it kind of more the grindhouse gritty version of that and those are two filmmakers that, what, like 20 20 years ago we were saying, these guys are the future of horror, Um, off the back of the early stuff they were doing, whether it's like a movie like um, it was Rooster, I think was the first one I saw at High West and, you know, Hostel uh, or Cabin Fever were the early ones Mm -hmm. that I saw of Eli Roth, and we're like, these are the guys, and the kind of that shit for quite a while, and they've kind of went back to. I think it's toughened them up. To be honest with you, I think, I think, I think it has. Well, Time will tell. Because Eli Ross other movie is about. Well, its trailer drops tomorrow, uh, which is that Borderlands adaptation. Oof, which that I thing mean, has been. That's never a good sign, by the way. When it, it's you know when it's been gestating for as long because he filmed it what three years ago. Sub, um, yeah,
1: it's been a long time, man. And that thing's had reshoots and yeah. And I mean, not that that's a kiss of death or anything. This thing could come out and be fucking amazing. Yeah, but, but like the fact mm. he was
2: attached to that seemed very fucking strange to me. And mm-hmm. like so, the fact he's got that coming out, I don't know if it's a case of I end up being in the same position I was. Going from hostel to hostel too, where I'm like that. This guy's a fucking genius. What's this guy doing? It's almost as if he didn't understand the point of this first
1: movie. Right, and then like Knock Knock comes out, and you're like, what oh, in the fuck? fuck is, this guy sucks balls. So uh, yeah,
2: I, I thought I thought it was. Let me put it this way: the amount of times I've seen a director adapt a short that they've released. Night Swim is a great example of this. Night Swim I saw this year and it was fucking awful and it was based on a, what, a five minute short?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I'm like, like wh- why did you stretch it out that length? That was never going to fit that. That Grindhouse trailer for Thanksgiving like like, so, like if someone told me he's going to adapt that and make that into a, you know an hour and 35 minute movie, I would have said Maybe let's not do that. And then all of a sudden you releasing it I'm like, actually you filled it out in a way that I never thought you would. So and it actually turned out to be quite a lot of fun. Some of it, yeah. like I see, is is wonderfully gleeful to watch.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's it, it's a super amount of fun. Um and and like I say, especially if you come from the States um mm. and are are kind of into that whole like Boston area, Dunkin' Donuts. M- yeah. you know asshole character um uh, like like ben affleck only his, his version of the goodwill haunting character that he did in the kevin smith movie yeah. Like like that is <laughs> your average uh bostonian and yeah so like having fun with that was really a good time and yeah and it's just kind of it's mean-spirited and i like the fact that Hopefully Eli Roth is more interested in doing this kind of work than doing that kind of Tim Burton light clock in the wall bullshit.
2: Yeah, that to me, like I that's another one where I watched it and I was like, it's a competently made movie, yeah. but I don't know why he's doing it. Like you could get an innumerable amount of directors to come in and make that movie. It doesn't it doesn't right. feel at all like his voice is in it.
1: Yeah, right, I mean, it, it's like, and I get it, like you're chasing the big movie and the big mm-hmm. payday, and that's fine, but it's not where his heart is. Like, you watch Thanksgiving, and that's a movie from somebody that gave a shit about the movie he was making. 100%. 100%. And I don't get that feeling in Knock Knock, you know? Or
2: what do you call it? His Death Wish remake, which was oh, just boy,
1: beige. Yes, one of the flattest films you're ever going to see. Um, hey, speaking of bad movies, what was your bad, Duncan? <clears throat> so I've got a, I've got a
2: twofer here, and this might upset people, because uh, these movies apparently get really well received, and I am confused as to why. So I've been seeing, I've been tracking online. Mm-hmm a trend of people, like, the, I don't know if you know this, Bo, as someone who occasionally dabbles in found footage movies, mm-hmm. that, like, found footage is, it, it, there's a little push for it happening. There's a lot of them being, kind of, produced again. I'm going to say that maybe was due to the fact that we came out of lockdown and people were like, uh, let's just take a camera and go out and film some shit. Mm-hmm. Um And I got highlighted to the fact that there was two, it was a, a brand new series, which will always get my attention when I'm like, that. Ah, there's more. Um, and the one that was mentioned was Horror in the High Desert.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Parts one
2: and two. So, like, there's a part three coming this uh-huh. year, apparently, and like, just a like, groundswell of interest for it. it was all that. Well, if it's coming out this year, I tell you what, I'm going to watch part one and two, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to watch the trailer for part one
1: uh-huh.
2: before I fucking commit any amount of time into this because if this is like everyone talked about that what was it the underwater last year or was it over mm. o- open water or, or, no oh uh the outlands that yeah the whatever it was the thing that was in the desert that was awful yeah it yeah, was yeah. fucking almost unwatchable like sure, sure. just like a lot of fucking nonsense right just a lot of nonsense and like fucking lighting effects um I was like you know what I'm going I'm gonna check the trailer check the trailer for Horror in the High Desert and I was like this actually it looks kind of a little bit um, last broadcast mm-hmm. like the way it's been delivered, it actually looks like a documentary, I will check this out, I watched Horror in the High Desert and it wasn't very good, mm-hmm. but then I remembered that people were like, oh i got a sequel and I'm like maybe the second movie's better second movie is worse than the first and it's, it's not even close it is a big old drop off and I, I don't get it this is the thing i I don't even if you like film footage movies Mm -hmm. even if you're an aficionado of film footage movies i don't know what horror in the high desert gives you that you haven't seen done infinitely better in
1: movies that aren't that great so i've seen both of these movies yes i think i i do agree with people who say the second is better than the first
2: I found the second just really messy. I, I felt like yeah. I felt like the first movie was trying to at least try to tie up answers to questions. I think the second one explodes at a mythology that I don't need.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, I, I I don't yeah, I don't disagree. I don't think either of these are great movies. Don't get no. me wrong. Yeah. Um I yeah, I think the second one at least felt like there was more happening. It, yes. And maybe yeah, that's just because movie, it was so fucking The first
2: messy. movie you are... It's, a, what's that? it's an hour and 25 minutes yeah. long, and you are about an hour into that before we finally start to do something.
1: That is a movie that ends at the beginning of the movie that should have been.
2: Yeah, like, there's a whole lot of it. It has that trope that I uh, that I find hilarious, where, where like, it's obviously shot like a documentary. And they've clearly never watched documentaries, because documentaries are never shot like this, where... Like it's it's obviously one person telling a whole story, and then it's split up mm-hmm. into, into clips, and that's how documentaries tend to be shot. You interview someone, then you piece it together to to deliver your narrative story. But no one ever gives you the exact like cutting point of when to trim off by going like that. And then we thought this was going to happen. We couldn't have been any for, you know more wrong, or and then I thought I'd see him again i never did like as it does every character finishes a fucking like their their sentence with that to the point that i was i was watching it on the train as well I was watching it on my ipad mm-hmm. i just want to take my shoe off and beat my pad to death with <laughs> it um i just yeah, I, like yeah, yeah. like you know i got to the point where i was like that no one fucking talks like that like yeah, yeah. it's never as neat as that yeah, um
1: 100 yeah right and and like I said, my big problem with that movie is that by the time you get to the end of the movie, where interesting yes. shit is happening, and then the credits roll, and I'm like, "Well, go fuck yourself." This yeah, is a the real. The second
2: movie gives you two murders, and the first one is discussed pretty much for the first fifty minutes mm-hmm. with lots of like stuff back, and then you get the final kind of murder segment is the last half an hour and it's the more tense one it's the woman being abducted and the the kind of paramedic guy Mm -hmm. um, essentially using night vision It's as you tick towards it, it, it it plays with your expectations in an interesting way and that interesting way where you expect if you see someone with night vision camera or whatever and something is in front of them that person's going to be fucked with or die, but you know that character lives, so this thing is purely just there fucking with him and doing nothing else. Mm. Which I found interesting, but yeah, like not 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 a good movie either. And the third movie where they give you a clip at the end of the second movie as to what the third movie is, and it's a fucking a Spanish blogger or something who's gonna travel and I'm like, I don't want to see that movie. I see a Spanish blogger going, You see, but I know where the real place is. And I'm like, I don't know, no, no, no. <laughs>
1: that yeah, those are not great movies. And e- even as you should have just sent me a message of it like, I hey. should
2: have just sent you. I, ju- I you know what? I should. I will remember that next time. I should just sent you a message.
1: Um, I, I've seen most of these, and, and I would have told you. I put my
2: faith in the internet, Bo. I th- I I felt it was time to to relax and drop my guard and mm-hmm. trust the internet again, and the internet fucked me.
1: Um, so. There that's it. look, if if we have learned nothing else in the course of this show it's that uh, you should be fucking but also, yeah. never kiss on the mouth that's not what no. we're here
2: about <laughs> I, will, I will tell you this, what I was going to mention in my good category uh-huh. along with my good category is I'm halfway through um, the Flanagan's uh, House of Usher series on oh, Netflix so and fun. it's fucking great it's so good it is, it is like, it, like he is giving edgar Allan poe the soapiest of hand jobs i've ever fucking seen in my entire life i'm there for every second voyeuristically watching it through a window
1: oh man and you know i i love uh that whole series i think it's great I think Mark Hamill's character is oh, like the, the fucking
2: P- the Pym Reaper. Yeah, he's fucking amazing in this. Like the so only good. the only actor I thought they could have replaced him with. If I was doing slight recasting, I maybe put Jeffrey Combs in there. Like maybe, mm. um, and like I I feel like we got cheated. Although in saying that, I know why because the. Fucking misbehaved on set quite badly, but the original role of the head of the family was supposed to be played by Frank Langella. Uh, he was kicked off set for inappropriateness. With, oh, right, right, with, right. Yeah, he was originally casting, and I could see that as well. I could see him in that role, but yeah. I actually quite like. Is it, is it Bruce Geddes? Yeah, is that yeah. Who? Uh,
1: Bruce. Is it Bru- Petersburg? Petersburg. <laughs> Hold on, I'll look it up. Bru- <laughs> Bruce. Bru- White, <laughs> Bruce
2: Whiteclaw, um... Bruce, Bruce Whiteman, um...
1: Bruce Whiteman, <laughs> Bruce Greenwood is his name.
2: Bruce Greenwood, hey, he's really good. He's really, really, really good. Now. I'm, I'm enjoying all the performances. Mm-hmm. I've just finished. I've just crossed a halfway mark with the episode called "The Black Cat." Uh um, sure. Which yeah. would be a ton of fun. So yeah. four on the back end to go, and then um that's another one done. So yeah, like that's me finally catching up with Flanagan's Netflix stuff. Yeah. Um having I've... only finished Midnight Mass like a couple of months ago. Um, which by the way is n- will never leave my mind. That might be one of the best TV shows that I've ever fucking seen. Uh just oh, like, yeah. It, like, and it's, it's not even fair. <laughs> like,
1: it's not even, yeah,
2: you know what I mean? It's not even fair like to compare anything to it. It just is mm, Right, it's like season one
1: of True Detective. <laughs> Midnight Mass. Midnight Mass. <laughs> season one of the Terror.
2: Oh God, yeah, um, it's just like mm, absolutely brilliant. What was right, your like, what was your, uh, what
1: was your uh, bad? My what, bad. What, what, uh, what well, this bad list. This is one I'd watched before. This, this is how I fucked myself twice. <laughs> 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 but I, I when I went into, it, I was like, I. Is it as bad as I remember it? Because that's the worst
2: position to go in. Like yeah. I do this all the fucking time when I'm like that. I'm sure I didn't like this movie, but maybe I just wasn't in the right mood.
1: Right, right. Like let me. I need to reevaluate this. Yeah. And the movie is the uh, sci-fi horror film Life. And oh right, the Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal is in it. Yeah, yeah, great cast. Uh, yeah, stacked cast. Rebecca yeah. Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Mike Flanagan, uh, mm-hmm. from uh, uh Doctor Sleep fame. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just a, a lot of really good actors. And I was like, man, I like on paper this seems like a great movie and I can't remember why it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and I need to, I need to prove to myself that it really is not very good. And what happened was Duncan, it wasn't very good. Uh, but now I can tell you why, uh, which is exciting. Um, it's not very good because every character is constantly sacrificing themselves from the good of the team. Yeah. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal seems totally checked out in that movie in a yep. way that's kind of surprising from him, where it's like, I don't know what you're going for with this mm-hmm. character. Uh, and maybe it's just badly written, or I don't know. Uh, but it boy it was a bad he slums
2: combo. it in a lot of movies by the way i love i love jake gyllenhaal but he is he's the takashi miike of actors and that you can see most notably when he is purely in it for a paycheck and the movies where he is actually really engaged and the difference between those ones are a movie like life on the ones where he's checked out or a movie like nightcrawler where mm-hmm. you can see he is 100 percent in the role
1: yeah or yeah like Enemy or something like that. Oh yeah, like, like where he's
2: like he's locked into that performance, yeah. and that's what you're going to get from him. So um,
1: yeah, and yeah, the, the that was bad. Also, the fact that the alien, you know, entity that is killing everybody, they keep calling Calvin, and yeah. it's just not a great name <laughs> for something to be chasing <laughs> you. Yeah, like look out, it's Calvin. It's well, like, eh, I don't know that. But...
2: Like my my. I... <sighs> And understand that they have to propel the movie across and set danger, but it just does. Like to me, it's like, oh, it's escaped. It's adapted. It's adapted again. Like it's the fucking Borg. But like, this right. thing just understands how to navigate around the ship. How to just dis- like destroy the exact points. The- just a lot of leaps in that movie, which to me just feel a bit convenient. Like I, I, I struggle with stuff like that
1: yeah yeah and it, the design of the creature is not great it's yeah, just it's... like there's a, a lot of little decisions all along the way in that movie that make it f- fail as yeah. a, a like a just as a piece of entertainment you know like like yeah. I, I i watched it over a couple of days because i got about an hour into it uh or like hour 15 and realized as long as well oh, right Realized there was another 30 minutes left i was like what the what are yeah. we doing? A movie like for that should be no longer than. Like, a movie like that which is set up
2: based on the we find something in space and we are trying to make sure it doesn't get on Earth. Mm-hmm. Um like when you when your movie is like when when I'm sitting there thinking to myself the thing is basically that whole premise, but set in an Antarctic mm-hmm. and this is how we link it to our topic of tonight. Yeah, yeah. Um like it's like that, and it's a slow burn character piece. And it's more entertaining, and I never look at my watch, and then I've got this fast-paced, like, glitchy, smart, like, sassy fucking sci-fi space thing like that. I should be engaged all the way through. Mm-hmm. I should evaporate when I'm watching that movie, and it doesn't.
1: It drags. Yeah, it was a, a real slog. Uh, so, for those of you who are thinking of traveling back in time <laughs> to see sci-fi horror movies, uh, my advice... Skip, uh, skip life. Yeah, that's also what I tell <laughs> tell all the kids at school. Skip life.
2: Please, Mister Ransdell, will you write my yearbook? Of course I will. <laughs> skip life. Yeah, it's almost
1: um, yearbook time. I got to come up with my my thing this year. Um, you'll
2: come up with something. Okay.
1: You, I I, I, I think what it's going to be is just they might be giants lyrics. <laughs> just to entertain me. What does this mean? I need a crane. <laughs> well, see, it's got kind of a peppy beat, but it's really about divorce. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> you,
2: should, you should just like, you should just like, you should just go, you should, you know what you should do? You should quote movies, but not the lines that people expect you to quote.
1: Oh, right, right, right. Like if you're doing, uh, uh, like Jaws. Yeah. Instead of the you know we're gonna need a bigger boat, yeah. uh, you're like, you you want to let it breathe.
2: Yeah, like you go, yeah, you just like you just like like deli- to, to frustrate people. Like oh here's uh, Patrick Bateman, but it's not. I have to return some videotapes. It's oh my god, does even has he even got a watermark? Something along those mm. lines where you like you deliberately you deliberately got like just to frustrate people and like, people will be like, does Bone know what the popular lines are? or Am I wrong?
1: Maybe this line isn't popular. Trust me, everyone in that school is well aware that I do not know what the cool lines are. <laughs> that is not in question.
2: Uh, so, well, they're jealous because they don't have a successful podcast that on every odd episode. Um, tight mm-hmm. numbers. So, <laughs> uh,
1: so strap in, folks. It's an even numbered episode.
2: <laughs> strap in, listener.
1: Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, yeah, Dan. <laughs> I just love that you singled out poor Dan. Uh, uh, enjoy this, because you're the only one listening, buddy. Yep. So so how are you? Yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> all right. Uh, so this is uh, chapter four of True Detective Night Country. Uh, uh-huh. And we open Duncan on Danvers in bed, tossing and a-turning. And finally, she decides that she is not going to sleep, uh, unless she's planning to fall asleep to the video that we saw <laughs> at the end of the last episode, which is Annie Kaye in an ice cave yep. being dragged away screaming on loop. Yeah. And she also,
2: she's, she interesting enough. She has one of those kind of white noise machines at the side of her bed, yeah. which I have got a theory on, uh, for this episode, um, which might as well just hypothesize here. Do we think she plays the white noise machine? To silence the sounds of ghosts.
1: Oh, that's an interesting idea. That she's she's hearing the same things as Navarro, but it's well, just like had
2: instances where the kids, yeah, are like reached over or whatnot, and I wonder if she just crams the sound up on that so she can't hear the whispering.
1: And it would kind of explain why she's so like quick on the trigger to give Navarro shit about it. Yeah yeah uh, like
2: she, she's hitting out and also maybe why holden has appeared to navarro previously mm. so i mean like remember what you said he said um uh, uh, you, uh you need to tell her something right or, you need um, to tell my mommy something yeah like so like almost as if holden's trying to get a message through and she's blocking out with a synth just an observation, it's a weird thing to have at the side of your bed, and it's also later on in this when she gets drunk, and we're going to touch on that as well, mm. um, when she gets drunk and she falls asleep drunk, Holden does actually reach out and speak to her, and she doesn't have the white noise machine on then.
1: Oh, yeah. Huh, okay. Oh. I, I'm oh. on board with this. I like this. Cool. Uh, so <laughs> uh, she gets out of bed, goes to check on Leah. It's a really nice kind of tender moment where it's just a mother looking over her daughter. I mean, yeah. granted... Not blood, but um, still, you know, Danvers you
2: said she sees, I think she sees the actions of her daughter as being a mirroring to the demise of Annie Kay. So she's trying to be wholly overprotective in here, and that moment of going through, you know, like making sure our cover's over and making sure her hair's out her face and all the rest is kind of her. It's her maternal instinct that we don't get to see much of at all. We won't again pretty much from
1: this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of
2: sure. kick in. Mm.
1: Yeah. All right, all right, so we're it's December 24th, Duncan. Yeah, Christmas Eve! The seventh day of night, we are told. Mm-hmm. And so Danvers is uh, on the road now. She's you know abandoning any thoughts of sleeping. God only knows what time it is. It's just dark. Yeah,
2: the we time. don't know throughout this. Yeah, completely. Is, is I'm getting fucked watching it because I don't know what anything. I I don't know what's happening. I don't know when it is, and it never tells you. It just tells you the day, but never the time. Yeah,
1: um, yeah. Uh, so Danvers gets news from Pete. That the bodies are being packed up. That Connolly, aka Doctor Who, is there to supervise. And uh, she's like, "Fuck it, all right, I'm on my way in five minutes." And immediately is sidetracked because on the road, shirtless, is uh, Julia Navarro's sister walking along the side of the road. And uh, and uh, immediately she's just like, "Ah, fuck, all right," and I got to deal with this now slams on the brakes like is trying to put a coat on her and julia's freaking out Mm -hmm. and finally gets the coat on her and the whole time she's just giving her like i know i know i know it's okay come on it's okay and very very tender with her and Mm -hmm. gets her in the car and uh off they go and then credits yeah (laughs) yeah Um,
2: yeah, this is this. Well, there's no way to put this nicely here. This is Christmas Eve. This this episode will cover Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and this is this whole episode is uh like a allegory and deep in depth meditation and character study on what it is to be alone and miserable. <laughs> <Like> the, <laughs> Yes, it's just so. it's just like every every character by the end of this episode is just alone.
1: <laughs> it's it's a nice counterbalance to the uh, holiday episode of the Bear, where that is I've sort of the.
2: Never seen it. Yeah, I've never. Holy I've ne- shit, Duncan! You've got to get on that. Yeah, um, and everyone keeps. i I've only watched Midnight Mass a couple of weeks.
1: Ago, so. I yeah, that's fair. But the Bear's real fucking. Look, the Bear is Midnight Mass good.
2: Yeah, oh, I've heard,
1: I've heard, yeah. I've seen the
2: awards it's got. Um, I'm fully aware that I will love it when I get to, but yeah, I'm probably gonna be a little. It,
1: it, it just makes you feel good, anyway. Uh, <laughs> so Navarro, meanwhile, uh, talking with Jules back at the station, and they come out of like the room where Navarro has been talking to her and kind of doing her thing, mm-hmm. and uh, a really like nice moment, but it's also really heartbreaking too is uh, Julia kind of stopping and apologizing to Danvers yeah. for, for what she did. And and Danvers, again, I think is kind of a hero early on in this episode where she's doing everything she, right.
2: She, the, the, a turn is coming, but yes, you're right. Yeah. Uh, at, at this point, she's like, there. there is something. she does. That's the frustrating thing about that character is that she does have a kind of tactile, softer side, a yeah. caring, nurturing, maternal side but she just tends to give it out to characters who are not the ones that she is in direct care of.
1: Yeah. Doctor who is right uh, in his summation of her character later, but we'll get to that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's a really nice Danvers is like, don't worry about Dr. Lecter; I would have done it for anybody. (laughs) Uh, And Navarro like thinks her too. And on her way out though, she's like, we need to talk about that video. Right. And she's like, yeah, yeah, we definitely need to talk about that video. Um, and we get a quick check in with Pete who is at the rink, just kind of watching like men work around the bodies as this whole thing is being packed up. And then we cut back to Navarro and Jules and Navarro's like cruiser or like her big truck. And it's just kind of them holding hands and, you know, having this moment between the two of them.
2: I'm realizing that the inevitable discussion is going to have to take place again about going to the lighthouse.
1: Right. And so then Pete and Dr. Who show up at the station and Pete is like trying to tell Danvers kind of low key, like, Hey, I've got, you know, you asked me about getting a lead on desk Mm -hmm. that are with with similar MOs, you know, this like ear shit and, uh, and, and she's like, yeah, 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 keep it on, under your hat right now, Dr. Lecter. <laughs> I got to deal with Dr. Who, Dr. Lecter. <laughs> and she, they go into her office, Dr. Who and, and, uh, Clarice, um, uh, go into her office and, um, while he's there, I like the fact that during this conversation, he's watering all her plants. Well,
2: this is this is a detail that I picked up straight away and it ties into later on. The first thing he does is he opens that flask and smells inside because he's smelling for alcohol, mm. isn't he? Right, because we yeah. find out in this episode, turns out maybe, maybe, Bo, the reason that um, Jodie Foster reacted in such a way to a certain drunk driver earlier on in this one is i think she's a recovering alcoholic
1: Um, oh do you think she's maybe responsible for the i'm
2: i'm not sure if i i wouldn't surprise me if that comes out in this one but i think she and he, he makes a comment later on and we'll get to that conversation later about her her problems existing before the accident so right, it, like it got all, worse after. No, yeah, yeah. Like it got worse after it. Yeah. But the fact he comes in, opens that flask, smells the liquid inside, and then pours it on the plants to me is him checking. Hmm. Okay. Checking to see. We like listen. I think as a prerequisite, everyone should have a bottle of absolute in the freezer at home. Right. Sure. I'd
1: like, it's just as just the way it should just be. Just in case of emergency.
2: But I think I I like I interpreted that straight away as uh all oh, right he's he knows that's why see, he, he all but says that I kind of I kind of did a little turn on his character where I actually I don't think I, he's I a did, terrible guy yeah yeah I I think he he really is kind of like I put you in a promoted post somewhere but I put you in a place that actually the minimum amount of damage you could do could actually happen so I, I weirdly i'm looking out for you even though i'm also looking out for myself
1: well even in this scene where he says look uh, i up front i know what you're gonna ask no i'm not here to yeah. take this case away from you but with this plus the <laughs> protest at the mines and the <laughs> shooting and all yeah. the other just generally weird shit going on and the in the last
2: in the last three days we right had, like- <laughs> like eight bodies are shooting out in the eyes, stuff that's happened at the mine. I'm just saying, I'm just here to help.
1: Right. He's just like, hey, I'm just making sure that everything's cool. Yeah. And that you're not going to fuck this up. Yeah. And uh, what's
2: interesting about this as well is she is, for someone who's scared about, someone that's scared about maybe having the case taken off her, she's surprisingly forthcoming with details with him. Like whether yeah. it's the the vet, who she doesn't call a vet, but the, the vet coming in, you look for that analysis, but also the footage that she shared. So she's obviously told him you had that footage of Annie Kaye because he's aware of that. Mm-hmm. Whereas you compare that to someone like a character like Hank, for example, who kept files at home, didn't disseminate information and all the rest. She like, doesn't appear to be a trust issue. There appears to be a, a right trust issue as pertains to who would lead the case mm-hmm. because she's been moved by this guy before but it doesn't appear that that is impacting in any way the chain of command that is there but like she's still passing information to him and keeping him up to date with the case without burying any leads or anything that she's on he's aware of everything she's aware
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah you know and, and- Uh, I'm with you I think I've I've come around on him as a character and one of the things I've liked about this season is that there are times I've been a little frustrated with like I don't understand the relationship between these people but as it's been revealed um, it's been like oh that kind of subverts what i thought this relationship was and, yeah people and are I'm, complicated yeah. you know what i
2: mean i i I people are i i don't like binary characters i like shades of gray and mm-hmm. this show is full of shades of gray yeah the more time we spend with them like i don't think that like, I've, I've got a particular feeling about danvers in this episode where like for a big chunk of this episode i really didn't like her as a character i found her incredibly manipulative mm-hmm. um and, and not in a, a way where in the earlier season, the earlier episodes, I was like, oh, it's really cool how she plays these characters off. She kind of takes ownership. And this one I actually saw as a negative. And I think that's great writing um, that gives you that idea of, oh yeah, in this scenario, those qualities are brilliant and they can be seen as playful, quirky, and they get the job done. But actually, those same things on, I don't know, Christmas Eve when like a guy's got a young family and wants to go home to them and you are deliberately playing into that um that's where that becomes a bit nefarious you know what i mean that's where it becomes a bit like actually this isn't cool so it's interesting that we can get those things she's the same yeah. she's not modified her performance at all it's the scenario around her that colors the observation
1: and i mean while we're talking about pete just for a second mm. pete could put a stop to this at any time oh yeah pete, like, pete just ultimately he
2: not. could just say no yes like you could he, easily just say no.
1: He is not drawing boundaries. Uh, it, Yeah, right. It's just like, no, 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 no. The, like, hey, if you want to do this on Christmas Eve, do this on Christmas Eve. Yeah. I've got a wife and kid. This case is pulling me away from them at Christmas. Yeah, She, like, I need to be at home with my family.
2: Well, even, like, we'll get to, like, there's so many things to discuss. This was a character-driven episode. Uh, yeah, this, for sure. But, like, in terms of the actual case, we learn very little about the case. Mm, I mean, episode. there's... There's pushes yeah, for
1: sure, but, yeah, yeah, but
2: not like this is the back half like of the season now. We this is the the episode. There's two after this, right? Um, and we're not learning huge amounts of data, but what we are doing is actually learning a lot about the dynamics of the characters. Mm-hmm. And I see Pete's relationship with his partner, wife, or whatever, as being actually wholly unhealthy. You know, like this is not this is not the first time. They've had a blowout like this in this episode. This is just the culmination of many and like you, you could argue that she's been selfish because eight people have died and all the rest. You don't just do that. Like that's 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 a lot of he's been called out, he's not come home, he's put his job over his family. That's that that doesn't just happen on one case, right? That right, happens right. over a culmination of a lot of cases. So where they end up in this episode. Is you know like we don't need the full backstory of how many times he's not been home when they said he was going to be. We just know that you know for her Christmas Day was the last fucking straw. You know, so
1: yeah, it's so good, so good. <laughs> so yeah, it, it, so Doctor Who is taken off. Uh They part with some like oh, and by the way, fuck you. Oh yeah, fuck you too. Well, he does he does funny. say
2: something along the lines of, and I thought you'd uh, I thought you'd be kind of happy that'd it be, you know. Around the area Mm -hmm. for the next couple of days, and we're like, Oh, that's right, because she likes to fuck, as we're going to find out more and more in this episode. Where she actually just shows,
1: (laughs) I like that it's just it's reached comical levels now. But, uh, all right, but first, like, I like, I'm now at the point where I I
2: don't just think it's the fact that she likes to fuck, I actually think it's that because her family, her family unit was destroyed i actually think she is purposely going around just making everyone's family life kind of
1: broken yeah i don't know that it's i don't think she's consciously doing it
2: yeah it's a a total subconscious thing right
1: but it's just like oh there is there is a nuclear family i will destroy it (laughs) um or do my living best to do so and uh but but before we get into that which oh my god that i love that Mm -hmm. whole scene Um, Navarro is with Jules. They are, they have gone to the lighthouse. Yeah.
2: So we finally made it to the lighthouse.
1: Right. Which is a very like, Hey, it's a voluntary intake kind of thing. And there's a really nice moment where they're kind of embracing and, and Jules is like, I'm so sorry. And Navarro, her response is no, baby, you're perfect. You're perfect. It's okay. You're perfect. And she repeats it several times. And, Um, and and then Navarro asks her, like, did you know you were going to come here one day? And she doesn't answer it, but the, I mean, the fact that the question is asked, I think is sufficient, right? Like we know as viewers, like, oh, she's having these glimpses of the future, you know?
2: Yeah. There's also a part of me that feels like she's tried... She's tried to kill herself a couple of times now, and people are all over her, right? But if she's at this facility, her sister's not going to be like hyper vigilant about her, which gives her time that if she wants to do it again,
1: probably get away with it this time. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's a situation like we'll get into it but like there's nothing navarro can do here this no no
2: yeah i think we'd said on a previous episode it was a matter of time
1: yeah i mean it's
2: been this 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 whole show has been counting down to this yeah uh for that character that's just when it was going to
1: happen um so we get the information from pete about the the other victim of of this kind of yeah so he's
2: he's been he's been away doing an investigation to find out if there are any other instance instances in case files of people sharing the same wounds as the people found on the ice and wouldn't you know bo um he just so happened to come across one a german man Mm -hmm. um and uh this german man had burnt uh, retinas uh, frostbitten retinas bleeding from the ears um, wounds on his arms mm-hmm. and all the rest and then just fucking vanished into the ice uh, like that guy uh, that um, mechanic guy from a couple of episodes ago where he he is definitely alive because he was picked up by the police two months ago, and he's probably on drugs, and he probably lives in the ice somewhere, but he has no digital footprint. And actually, he's got no footprint at all. Like, no social security number, no medical records, like, like nothing to say that he's got a job or he's doing anything... He just appears and disappears, but is exactly the same wooden switch. To me, I was like that. Ah, welcome hmm. a new character into the fold here. Hmm.
1: Yeah, the this guy is Otis Heiss, uh, who received those injuries way back in 1998. So a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> like so. And and he's just, you know, as you say, he's just a junkie out on the ice somewhere. Danvers is like, well, uh, we need to put out an IPB on this uh icebound junkie yep. and uh he's he just... like
2: like pete's like listen we've already got the guys out there looking for the dude from the Solana station so like they're already looking for him and and she's like you well you maybe get hank to look in it. and he's like that my dad is at the airport right now
0: <laughs> and she's like
2: why is he at the airport and he's like he's picking up his russian bride. i there's a shot in this what i will be honest I felt so sorry for Hank. <laughs> like this show made me feel sorry for a character that I do not like. Um, and it's not the scene that everyone might think it is. It's a scene of this guy standing over a rose petal bed, which underneath the yes. rose petals had camouflage fucking bed sheets. Yes. Like, but like that particular thing, I was just like, Oh my
1: god. It's... No one can be happy at Christmas. In that moment I totally agree that yeah, yeah well, we'll, well we'll get, <laughs> get that. we're almost there so um, yeah but uh, Pete is like what the like we don't have anybody to go look for this guy and she's like well then just tell whoever is out there that they're now looking for Clark and this Otis Heist guy mm-hmm. how hard is that yeah and he's like look it's Christmas Eve and she's like oh so do it fast Dr. Lecter yeah <laughs> So, I mean, she is... This is the turn. Like, she is just an ice-cold bitch for so much yeah. of this episode. Uh, but, yeah, so Navarro then calls Danvers from the truck outside the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. And the thing they discuss about the video, the discussion they have, is about how the bones in the walls could be, the like, fossilized whale bones. Yes. And... The other thing they realize it means is like, oh, if Annie was killed there, then somebody had to take her body yep. to town and dump it to send a message. And uh, Navarro is, or, or sorry, not Navarro, but Danvers is like, now you're asking the right questions, Dr. Lecter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and she goes, well, what are you doing this Christmas And Navarro is like, uh, nothing. Fuck Christmas. And Danvers' response is, good. I got an idea, Dr. Lecter. (laughs) And so, before they go off on their adventure, we do get the cut to Hank at the airport as this plane comes in.
2: Poor, poor, silly, gormless, fucking...
1: Gormless is such a great word for it. (laughs) It's, It's Hank hanging on to this stuffed rabbit yeah. drooped over his arm. Mm-hmm. It is one of the most sad sex scenes in yeah. the history of sad yeah. sex and, scenes. And
2: the, and the Ennis cold on Christmas Eve standing at an aircraft, a tiny aircraft where all the passengers are getting off it. And guess what? Ain't none of them look like a Russian bride. Except... No. There's a moment that this is it's just this show just kicking you in the bollocks. Um, there's this bit where like everyone comes off and he's like, you can see it in his eyes of disappointment. And then this very attractive woman mm-hmm. like pops her head at the door and you can see the hope in his eyes. Do you think he'd seen her? No. He's not seen a picture of her. I guess not.
1: Th- I he mean, that seems have. crazy to me, but also this whole thing is stupid. So, yeah, well, of he's like- course...
2: Because he's obviously, there's a question later on about have you been sending money, and we know for a fact he has been sending money, but he's also not been sending her pictures of him proper. He's been sending old photos of him
1: Yeah, that's right. Self. Yeah. But
2: she, like this woman comes to the door, his eyes light up, and it turns out she's the stewardess, and she just pulls the, <laughs> you know, the, the, the door up and closes it, and Hank is left in the cold Ennis air on Christmas Eve Without his mail order
1: right? just him and a stuffed bunny. <laughs> it's yeah, Burnt it's bonded down. Um, oh, so. it is pitiful. <laughs> uh, look, look, if anyone can help, uh, Hank now, it's it, it's got to be the music of Tom Waits. Like yeah. he just needs <laughs> he needs to crawl into a copy of Rain Dogs and some bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to be fine. But so no, we cut back to Navarro and Danvers who are driving on the road. And they're having a conversation about Jules, about her praying a lot, and mm. and more of that business. And Danvers tells a story about when she was a little girl, her mother was dying. Mm-hmm. And her father said, well, if we pray hard enough, then you know we, we can save your mother. And she's like and I, I prayed so hard it was so hard yeah. and <laughs> until my knees were black and uh it was also cold so cold yeah. <laughs> and uh but at the end of the day she's like no matter how hard i prayed you know uh, she died anyway it was a real lesson and navarro's like yeah that's that's real fucked up and she, and but the whole thing ends with with uh navarro not navarro but danver saying there's still no god though yeah like yeah i get it yes yeah, this is all miserable and everybody's unhappy oh, like, she's, and... like
2: if you think she's putting her foot in her mouth you've like that we ain't seen nothing in this episode oh, oh dear god like i never like so badly wanted to just jump on the screen and just be like yeah, yeah. The- shh <laughs> No no, not right now.
1: Not right now. bedtime bedtime. Uh but so they end up at the teacher's house that she went to earlier in the season.
2: Oh uh, and her wife answers Dude. the door and like she's like that to the barrel. she's like, You need to go up front here, and she's got her back to her and then um, the woman answers the door and she's like, Yeah, and she's like, Can we speak to your husband? And you can see like she can't help herself either. This is like Dan versus that. Like she's she's a little bit evil because she didn't <laughs> have to turn around and make eye contact with her, but she does kind of lean over her shoulder and she sees her and she's like, <gasps> and then she storms away and then Navarro's turn around and she's like, "Fuck this guy!" Too. It's a real like
1: you got to be fucking kidding me, yeah, you know, like, bit, you know, it's just <laughs> everyone, everyone, yeah. Literally, everyone in this town. Well, the
2: teacher comes to the door and does the accurate thing by saying, "Like you come to my house on Christmas Eve."
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, but she's like, "Look, this is police business, Doctor Lecter. We need your expertise." (laughs) And so he does watch the video. Like they go inside into like his office or whatever, and he's watching the the video, and he's like, "Yeah, it could be you know prehistoric whale bones. There, there's probably." Uh, you know, and they're like, There are no ice caves around here, Dr. Lecter. He's like, Well, I mean, uh,
2: well actually- there's, <laughs>
1: there, there's this place called the Brooks Range, and there are ice caves in there, but they're death traps. Like, you could fall through at any second, and you don't want to mm-hmm. go out there. In fact, the only way you'd want to go out there is if you had the the person who mapped the cave system to begin with. In fact, I happen to have his name right here. I don't yeah. suppose you'd want to hear it, do you?
2: <laughs> he Googles it as well. It's like, I'll get the guy's name, and I'm sitting there got that another new character? No, not no. another new character at all, but a character that we've just learned about. A certain German.
1: Yeah, so he's like, it's Otis Heiss was who did this and danvers looks over at navarro and is like oh yeah i need to catch you up on this thing um <laughs> so uh pete you know that young man i'm probably gonna fuck
2: she can't sleep with pete like she can't do that like
1: if it happens it is going to like my eyes will burn out of my skull yeah. <laughs> not because look it'll be glorious they're both attractive people and i'd be so lucky right Yeah, but it's it's one step too far right that's that's like somebody fucking the the father and the son or something I mean that's because that's what she'd be doing because we know she fucked Hank Uh, was it in the earlier scene I think it is where Doctor Who is like yeah that Pete he's pretty sharp and she's like yeah well it just goes to show you how genetics can absolutely skip a generation because his (laughs) father is a complete piece of shit
2: He's standing at the airport now waiting on a woman that's not showing up.
1: Wait, uh, hey, is the door closed? Yeah, open it a little bit so Pete can hear this. Um, <laughs> yeah, His father is the dumbest motherfucker I have ever known. There is no way he is not getting catfished. In fact, somebody get me the cornbread and start the fryer because we have a catfish broil on our hands. <laughs> You want to hush, Puppy Pete? Yeah, I'm talking about your your would-be stepmom. That catfish. <laughs> uh, <laughs> meanwhile, Jules is haunted by the ghost of the mother, I think? This is the mother. Because uh, under the bed the, yeah, the crucifix.
2: Yeah, the crucifix, which we have already seen earlier with Navarro in the car. And she reached down and pulled up this spectral fucking crucifix that she threw out the window. Mm -hmm. So clear, our mum was very much into Jesus and God and all the rest. But we get a link, a link to their shared visions slash psychosis in that a orange rolls out from under her bed. Yeah, Um, which we've seen that before when Navarro on the ice. She leans down, she sees her mother fucking crawling underneath the bed. This is the last step for that character, to be honest. I think that's right. Do we like here's here's the question. Yes. Do we think that they have the ability to see specters? Or do we think they're crazy?
1: I mean, that's the million dollar question of this. Season, Rose is right? already Rose has
2: yeah. like Rose raised this back in episode two where she basically said when they were talking about her sister, don't you know mistake mental health issues for you know the ability to commune with the dead. Those are two different things. And it's interesting because the through the 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 lens this show gives us on the sister, on Jules, when we see her we look at that as a well she's she's you know damaged mental health issues severe mental health issues that are, are you know are kind of pushing her towards suicide yet the vision she's having seem to be very much the same as what Navarro's having and Navarro has actually mentioned about walking out into the ice mm-hmm. and just keep you know just keep walking and that was so the same thing but when we look at Navarro we the show forces us to almost kind of put that through the optics of, oh, no, she seems to have the ability to to commune with the spirits or she's she's in tune with the spirits. Yeah, it's both the same thing. It's just how the characters manage that mm-hmm. and that Jules can't manage it at all. It clearly scars her wounds or weighs heavier on her soul, whereas Navarro seems to be able to compartmentalise it in a way similar to Rose. So it's like what she said, there's like the, the three different types of like kind of spirit there's the ones that have a message um there are ones that are uh, can't try to help you and those that you know basically want you to go with them Mm -hmm. um and you don't listen to the ones that want you go with them and it's almost like her sister is like predisposed to go with the spirit even though the spirit's trying to lead them in danger Mm -hmm. um and navarro seems to be able to hold that off, because she sees the same things, like she's seeing her mother she's haunted by the same images but we don't look at those two characters the same way, even though we are all but told the family has a history of whether it's bipolar or schizophrenia or whatever it is, we we have that as a, as a character DNA it's just really interesting how the show kind of it has those both those characters having a shared psychosis, but it's pivoting one in one way and one in the other way, which I find really interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I think the the point you made about, you know, uh, Rose's three categories of ghosts, and they're the ones that want to take you with them. Yeah. And yeah, I, and I think that's sort of the situation that Jules is in. And again, th- this is where you get into that gray area of, well, is the ghost real or is the ghost a manifestation of her you know, residual guilt or mental illness or whatever it is? And and like you said, maybe it doesn't matter, you know? I mean like, a possibility
2: that everyone up here is having some sort of contact with the dead. Mm-hmm. That delivery driver, he all but said it like even the leaving the dead get bored. Um mm-hmm. like Rose like I say, I'm like we've seen specifically Navarro, Navarro's sister. We've seen Danvers like get like touched by her child, or have like flash Im- images as well. So uh, maybe as like Rose said, like in Ennis, it's like the the fabric of of kind of what holds together our realm is slowly being pulled apart, and it's allowing things through.
1: Yeah, it, it, I mean. I I don't presume that by the time we get done with this series that there's going to be a clear answer.
2: No, I also mean, I also, I I also still detective. think we're going to get a like because I was I was thinking about this like because I've I read some criticism online because there's loads flying around about this being too horror mm-hmm. and too ghosty, and I was thinking about season one like specifically season one plays with a lot of esoteric concepts. Carcosa as a as an entity. Mm-hmm. Is uh you know is this kind of spirit realm and all the rest? At the end of the day, it was a man that did it. Whether or not he believed spirits were, you know, or, or some god was helping him achieve his goals, at the end of the day, it was a flesh and blood man that did it. I would be surprised if this season doesn't have a flesh and blood killer at the end of this one. But conceptually speaking, it's. Right. It's looking it's looking at all the gray that surrounds that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I'm 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 very curious. I'm looking forward to when we re record uh mm. so that I can watch the finale because I'm I'm jazzed about it. Um, <laughs> so uh Hank is back at the station having a little nip. <laughs> uh, right.
2: walks right in Walks right to his desk, <laughs> opens the bottom drawer. You know there's a case of something in there. It's a case of Jim Beam. Um, and that goes right in the mug. And he starts drinking. And he doesn't know that Pete's there. And Pete's just kind of watching him. His dad go through all the motions here. Can clearly see something's not right. Um, I, does he'll cough? Yeah.
1: <clears throat> I love this scene so much. Hmm. Because it, it, it feels entirely real even though the situation is kind of crazy yeah the the way that they talk to each other is some of the most real shit in all of true detective because so immediately pete asks about alina the Mm -hmm. mail order bride and uh hank's like well she wasn't on the plane and he's like oh okay and he's like yeah you know maybe your mom's sick she's been sick a lot lately and uh and he and goes you haven't been sending her money have you and he goes yeah yeah um hey you know now that i got the the, the <laughs> evening free <laughs> operation changes subject yeah like, oh you know hey suddenly find myself with time on my hands how about i come over for christmas eve what do you yeah. what do you say about that and there's a moment where pete's like let's circle back to the money thing and he's yeah. like you know what we're just gonna let this go I also
2: love, like, Pete in this situation where he's like that. Yeah, it'd be great. I'm going to phone ahead, though, and just make sure it's okay. Because yes. he's already, he's still at work. He's doing things. He's late for whatever whatever they're doing on Christmas Eve um, with the kid. He's not home to do any of that. Right. And, you know, so already, like, the wife is not happy. At home, and then he's going to show up with the dad who wasn't expected. It's kind of like I'm just going to phone ahead to make sure it's okay.
1: Yeah, um, we're just going to make the uh, I'm just going to make sure this is cool before <laughs> I show up and get yelled at. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So we we leave them to go to Navarro, who's showing up at Shaw's place in another banger of a scene in this episode.
2: She's like just like mm, chef's kiss. And yeah here, and she's like she's living her she might be the only character in this episode who has made peace with loneliness and is actually flourishing in it like every other character is having the most miserable christmas being alone except rose who is made a, a bounty of of food is is drinking martinis is living her yeah. best life and is comfortable with being herself
1: dressed to the nines the spread yeah. is incredible and navarro is like hey you are not just some random weirdo who ended up <laughs> yeah. in alaska like what i know like this probably isn't even your name well, who were you before and she's like oh years ago i was a very serious professor mm-hmm. and i was doing very serious work and one day i was editing an article that was so important And she just has this existential crisis, man, where she's like, what is the point of any of this? This is all bullshit. And she changes her name and heads north. And she says, you know, I I love it. I love the quiet. Except for all the fucking dead.
2: Yeah. Well, that's maybe, maybe how she's made the peace with the loneliness. Is that she's never alone.
1: Maybe so. Or, you know, it's just whatever her life was before and you know like she is living whatever authentic life she feels like she needs to yes and she
2: like she made peace with that and that's the, the difference everyone else has not made peace with who they are they're trying to cling on to something whatever it is and she's the only one that seems to have and that as a result she seems to be able to cope with where she is where everyone else is kind of wrestling with why they've ended up in Ennis doing the the job they are, you know yeah. what I mean? Are they running from something? She's not running. She chose to go there.
1: I'm just thinking about, like, her at that moment of crisis. Mm. And, I mean, I wonder if it was as simple as, like, I'm just going to point north and I'm going to go as far as north lasts. Yeah. And, and I'll stop there. Mm-hmm and whatever my life is she doesn't even
2: live in the town she lives remote from everyone right like she's
1: killing and eating her own (laughs) shit it's not only
2: only that she went north to a town she went north to that town then further outside (laughs) that town
1: went into the (laughs) suburbs of the middle of nowhere (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh she's so good oh such a
2: such a good character such a good character
1: um all right so we leave them To get a call with Danvers, who Mm -hmm. is uh, gets a call from uh the woman who we last saw when she was asking about using the rink to store bodies. So we know already she is talking to somebody whose husband she has fucked.
2: Yeah, this is the woman that owns the mine. She's in charge of the mine, and where the end, this is the mining office that she gets called to go to.
1: Right, the Silver Sky Mines. Uh, The woman's name is McKittrick. Yeah. And we get there, and we don't realize at first why Danvers is so staunch about not pressing charges. Yeah. And then Leah gets out of the security car.
2: So they vandalized the front entrance by writing murderers (laughs) with a skull and paint, which once again, if this isn't just... Like, flashbacks to Annie Kay. I don't know what is. Like, she's... The more Danvers pushes against um, Leah doing something, the more she is becoming Annie Kay. It's almost as yeah. if all the effort to try and... You can't force kids to do something. You really can't. Like, when you push one way, they will instinctively do the thing you don't want them to do. Yeah.
1: It's
2: just the way it is. And, like, Danvers is not equipped in yeah. this situation.
1: It's a real like, well, we're going to press charges. Fuck you. No, you're not. And, she, and and McKittrick is like, why not? And and Danvers has to get very humble for a second. where yeah. She's like, listen, Dr. lector just please. All right. It's Christmas and she's yeah. a young girl. How about you don't book her this time? And and McKittrick's response is like, hmm, interesting.
2: Yeah. And then well, just she has something over. She has something over Danvers. Yeah can call on a favor at some point she may still do it before the season's out but she has that over her
1: um yeah and so off off she fucks Mm -hmm. and navarro uh calls uh jules uh because she's also on the road and jules is like yeah everything here is fine um you know we'll i'll talk to you tomorrow and the camera pulls back and we realize that jules is having this conversation in, like, the wreckage of that boat on the ice yeah. that we saw her yeah. at earlier. She's, she's made her way out. Yeah. And and she removes all of her clothes and walks into the darkness. Mm-hmm. And that is the end of Leah.
2: Something interesting about that is well as well a, as a kind of death. That's how Travis Cole died.
1: Yeah. yeah. Same
2: thing. Wasn't that he, like, undressed, walked out into the ice and then into the water? Died. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. If, maybe that is a thing up there.
1: Maybe so, or just there. I mean, there is something poetic about it, right? Mm-hmm. Just walking into the sea. There, you know, that's very Kate Chopin. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But yeah. So Leah, uh, is. Is trying to, or I'm sorry, Danvers is trying to talk Leah at home into staying for Christmas yeah, like, like
2: not not in a way which is helpful in any way, shape, or form. Like they have clearly had a like what we would class as a, a Barney in the car, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, going, going home and, and like it's, it's 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 spilled into the house. And I love like Danvers thinks well this, this scene is so weird. Like she just thinks that they're gonna sit and have Christmas dinner together with this turkey that isn't even in the fucking oven yet. right, it's right. A giant right. turkey, which would feed like a family of ten. It's going to take about five hours to cook in an oven. She's like, yeah, we'll have turkey dinner. And she's like, I don't want fucking turkey dinner. And I, well, there's a bit, I think, like when she essentially packs up her stuff to go with laundromat grandma um, over at Pete's house, mm-hmm. which is ultimately where she's going to go, there's a part where I think even Danvers' reconciles the fact that she spent time putting up the decorations, she spent time buying the turkey and all the rest, but I think part of her has also resigned herself to the fact that she was never really going to do any of it.
1: Huh, really? Yeah,
2: Well, like that turkey goes in the bin very quick and is replaced very quick with the bottle of vodka, sure. which makes me think, I think she went through, there's a difference between going through the motions of doing something and actually physically doing it, and oh, I yeah. actually think She's went through all the motions of creating a Christmas for Leah, who wasn't interested in any of it. I think she felt she had to do it. And I think she's almost at that point looking for an excuse when confronted with everything around her to get out of doing it and drink, which leans into my, she's a closet alcoholic.
1: Right. Well, cause eventually she's just like, yeah, just fucking go. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, go on, get out of here, you know, go to priors. And yeah, like you said, she throws the turkey away and then starts drinking and watching the Annie video. She goes, video. Straight, she goes yeah. straight
2: for that, that freezer, opens it up, a bottle of Absolute comes out, woman after my own heart, love me some Absolute. And then she just starts drinking it neat, which, mm-hmm. once again, woman after my own heart.
1: Um, so yeah, she goes right on the booze, straight away. Uh, we cut over to Navarro, who arrives home to find uh, a Christmas gift awaiting <laughs> her on her doorstep. Of toothpaste yeah. to go along with the toothbrush that she has stolen. Yeah. So
2: it's it's SpongeBob, SpongeBob toothpaste. Yeah, um, it's to a nice. It's a great gift. It's a great. It makes her happy.
1: Yeah. Um, meanwhile, back at Drunky McDrunkerson's house of murder, <laughs> Danvers is connecting the images of uh the the initial like what we saw at the very beginning of episode one, the like she's yeah. awake that business. Um, we see that and then she's also comparing that to the Annie Kay thing and she's like, oh the power is being turned off in both yeah, of these I, cases. I don't
2: know if I agree with this. This to me feels like a drunken stretch and the reason it feels like a drunken stretch is that right, in the the Annie Kay video, yes it's very clear that the power gets switched off um, because the phone is still on but in the Salal Station one Everything goes out, mm-hmm. including the phone. When the phone is not plugged in, or anything like that. It Has its own battery source. Why would the phone cut out at the same time as the lights? You know what I mean?
1: I yeah. If you're I don't...
2: filming something, you like you have to physically hit stop on the phone, or has to run out of battery, which like, it's just it's a weird jump. For me, on that one, is like, oh yeah, the power's been cut out, which leads you back to human element, which yeah. obviously leads her back to someone that would have an understanding of power supplies and the generator system at the Salal station, like a certain guy that lives
1: out on the ice bowl. Right. So she calls Navarro and is like, "Listen, we got to go." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listen, Doctor Lecter, we got we got to go get this Otis Highs fella. And uh, immediately, Navarro's like, are you drunk? Yeah. She's like, eh, just shut up. Yeah. <laughs> and... <laughs> she says that she's only drank a little. Right. Yeah. And uh, she's like, look, when we went to see Tagak, he's defensive and he was hostile. Yep. And <laughs> and Sorry. Navarro's like, yeah, why is there power in the ice cave? Yeah. And she goes, that's the right question yeah <laughs> and then uh but navarro's like it's still like you're not going to come pick me up you're drunk there's no way you're coming and she's yeah. like
2: plus why would she like the the shit that oh well, she's going to get in a minute of right Doctor Who for driving drunk especially after what we seem how she reacts to drunk drivers right um which once again makes me wonder if there is maybe a bit of that was her drinking responsible for our families that you know like right. all this it seems to be seems to be suckling some ideas here and we may hopefully get some kind of resolution to that
1: some real like I'm angry at you for engaging in behavior that I hate in myself
2: yes kind of oh 100 yeah, yeah yeah
1: um so <laughs> after debating who's gonna go pick her up she's like I'll call Pete Yeah. And then she does, and so Pryor is going to go pick up Navarro. Mate, um, like,
2: Hanks in the background saying, "Jesus Christ, Danvers, so it's fucking Christmas Eve." Uh-huh. Um, this is really manipulative as well. This is what I was talking about. This manipulation that goes one step. She basically tells Pete, "I cannot do this without you." Right, like, like she like leaves it in thick with him, and then do you know she'd see something like um that's my boy or good yeah. boy or something It says say, which once again is just that is like head fuckery of the highest order
1: yeah i mean talk about playing on like a maternal role like she oh, is yeah just, you know i'm your mom i tell you what to do and when to do it and yeah it's it's real fucked up and um uh, Yeah, and and tells him, like, you you know, you need to be back up for Navarro going out to them nomad camps. Mm -hmm. And so that's what he's off to do. And, like, we get uh, this overlaid with some music, but it's Navarro and Pete heading out and Leah at Pryor's learning, like, how to cook native dishes. Yes. And uh, sure enough, Navarro and Pete end up at Tagogs you know, back at that nomad camp and Mm -hmm. they go into his place and they find the place is empty. His gun is, is sitting across the arms of the chair he was sitting in. Yeah.
2: And everything is hella frozen.
1: Everything's frozen, but there's like food in a bowl with a spoon still in it. Yeah. And I I think it's Pete who's like, this remind you of anything. Yeah.
2: And this confused me a little bit as well. And that I'm assuming he means
1: the Salal station. You would think so, right? Of but just hey, everybody yeah. up and left.
2: But like, I that's not where my brain was going when I saw this, like at all. I like, I I, I wasn't going there. Although there was part of me that did think was the mention of when they went it because you find out basically within a couple of minutes here that after their visit, he was like, "Fuck this," and he was gone. Mm-hmm. And remember his reaction when they mentioned that everyone at the station was dead. Um, or being found dead, and he, he reacted in a particularly strange, um, hostile sort of way. That did this trigger something in him to do the same thing, or is he like, is go, whatever whatever happened six years ago is going to come for me? Um, is he responsible? Like, could he be the person that was ultimately responsible for Aniki's death? And he's like, oh, they're on at me. Um, we don't know. All we know is that cabin is frozen now. Mm-hmm. Um, he ain't there, and the people that are right outside the house um, are fucking furious. Like, like w- with them, like he left, he was supposed to come and hunt with us. How dare you come back here? That's that man's private property.
1: Um, and yeah, he's like, he's gone. Well, we do have some decorating inside. <laughs> Namely, a big spiral. that A giant
2: is- spiral, and a spiral on a stone, carved right. into a stone. So in the pockets,
1: right, and they take it outside, and sure enough, like one of the dogs seems to bark, yeah, at them because when she holds up the stone, and is like, "Hey, what is this?" And they don't answer. It's just that the dog barks at it, and then they leave. And here's a
2: question for you, both: yes, Why, please. why are we not? Why is Navarro's obviously still trying to find that information about this symbol? Mm-hmm. Why is she not
1: pushing Rose? It's a fine question, you know. It's
2: confusing. The longer this is going on with this symbol, the more I'm like, Rose clearly knows what what it is. She's pretty much all but said that, yet there's no kind of push for an answer. Right. Or, 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 How do you know that? Like, she was a very important person that studied things in a very important university. Could it have been ancient symbols? Ancient civilizations? Could it be any of that? Maybe that's how she knows it. Why? Why did she rub it off the ground this quick? does it open as a portal or something like we, we physically don't know. All we know is people seem to act very strange to the symbol when they're around
1: it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Like, why not, why not chase that symbol with like, has she talked to Kavik about it? Hmm. And well, like she shows them later on. Yeah. Very it, briefly. So, I mean, that kind of stuff, like, why is it not everywhere? Why, why are we not asking everyone what this thing is? But yeah. So Danvers is still drinking at home. And then she grabs her keys and decides she's going to go fuck Doctor Who, yep. who is watching the movie Elf and whitening his teeth, which is the most hilarious combination of things you could be doing on Christmas You're going to get two
2: shades of Elf in this movie, yeah. one with a guy who's whitening his teeth and running for mayor, and another guy who has just had his heart broken by his mail-order, Dude, right?
1: <laughs> yes, the parallel Elves in this is pretty good. But so they, they're going to get down... And yeah. you know, because like, well, Judy he's Foster he is at into her, it.
2: at first for
1: driving drunk, right? And she's like, "Yeah, yeah." Have you been drinking? And she's like, "So what?" Hey. And uh, I'm getting naked. Uh, shut up. Yeah, uh, I'm about to, I'm about to throw a fucking on you, Doctor Who. And
2: <laughs> this is where we get some home
1: truths, right? This is where they start talking. Like we talked about this earlier, but it's the whole like, you know, I sent you to Ennis because you were a fucking mess. And then well, she says
2: to him, You like, you knew I was a better cop and I was going to get your job.
1: And he agrees, like, you were a better cop, but you were also a mess and you were also he's shitty. Like, you to were people. terrible with people. Yeah. Like,
2: he says, literally, you would never have my job because you are terrible with people. Right. And he's like, It was, you know, like, you were a mess. And yet, like, some of that certainly happened after whatever partner's name was and holding the kid passed away um, or the accident happened. He's like, But you were also a mess before that
1: yeah you were a mess before that you were shittier after the accident yeah and you're still a fucking mess
2: yeah and you're still a mess now um and that hasn't changed and she is like i don't have to put up with this i came i came here to deliver you the sacred bounty of my beautiful Vigine. And you have decided to throw it back in my face with well, wild accusations about my my drinking? My, I'm gonna get my truck drunk, right? And how dare you speak about my drinking? Um yeah, she's she basically tells him to fuck off. Um mm-hmm. and like she goes into her vehicle to drive angry and drunk, which is a combination that doesn't go well together at all.
1: Yeah. And we'll we'll check back in with her. Uh but Hank uh, this is the scene that you were talking about earlier, because we cut to Hank at home. He is also oh, watching Hank. Elf, oh, alongside just continuing to drink alongside this stuffed bunny.
2: Yeah, he decides to go to the fridge, and there's a nice bottle of champagne in the fridge. And I'm going, oh, no, this mm-hmm. man's misery and grief.
1: It and then doesn't bother oh, to open it; just nope. leaves it there. And yeah, then he that this is when he goes into the bedroom, and he, we see that he has put rose petals all over his camouflage. He's camouflage
2: sheets for a start, right? Yeah, but um, yeah, in the blue room, um, but yeah, there's rose petals out there, and it is one of the most tragic scenes I've ever fucking. Seen. It's
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it like it is a monument <laughs> to his optimism and uh, and subsequent failure yeah. as a person.
2: A you know someone is gonna get the dull side of Hank in the next episode that like that sort of thing is uh, well you've seen the next episode uh, yeah. and like in an upcoming episode there's a bluntness gonna come out in him where he's just gonna take it out on someone else because that's what Hank does yeah it's
1: yeah uh I don't think that's incorrect um, so Pete and <laughs> Navarro, uh, are on their way back when Navarro gets a call from the police about Jules mm. and, and we hear like, oh, this is, you know, Jules has been found dead and are yeah. just founder, Yeah. Coast
2: guard founder very fucking fast. Um, but we'll, we'll overlook that narrative detail, which seems very bizarre to me. Like, well, how the fuck the coast guard find her out on the ice in the water? going like, mere hours after she walked out on Christmas Eve,
1: I, it's a fun question. I don't know. I don't know, Duncan. <laughs>
2: like for narrative purposes, I understand yeah. we're doing it, but also it's a it's one of those things where I'm like, really? <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> seems very quick. Um, um, but yeah, she like Pete asks her what's wrong. She won't tell Pete what's happened because. I'm assuming she didn't want to
1: destroy Pete's Christmas. Right. Well, she's sending him inside. She's like, thanks for, thanks for picking me up. Thanks for all of this. Now go, go home, go to your wife, do Christmas. Yeah. Uh, which Pete does, but things are not going well at home. This is just how a big
2: is their bed, Bo. Like, you could park a tank between them.
1: <laughs> That's How we do it in America, baby. Good old U S of a size bed. It's enough for two chubby people. Couple of dogs, a pizza. Because <laughs> they are
2: like, they, like the like the 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 gap between them and that bed is fucking huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, this is once again just to stamp the fact down that everyone's fucking miserable at Christmas. Um, and Ennis, uh, he he rolls in his home, he rolls in the bed, yeah, and apologizes to her. Um, and she's just like just let let me sleep and then we get like out of nowhere Pete throws a little bit of shade and resentment at her by basically saying "Um, you know just say what you know you want to say that I trapped you here with a kid that you didn't want Um, which where the fuck did that come from Pete? (laughs) Like, Pete throwing some heat you know, yeah, throwing Liz the fastballs. Uh, you know what I mean, Pete. Yeah. Like Pete, if anything, Pete is like is a little bit Danvers here.
1: Well, yeah, but like this, uh, Pete needs needs to understand he is he he has fucked up.
2: He is oh, gotcha. he, he has yeah.
1: done wrong. Yes. Um, but we'll we'll get back to that later. Uh, so Navarro shows up at the lighthouse and makes a fucking scene, Duncan. With well, some poor this is bearded the asshole. most
2: incompetent orderly I've ever fucking met. Like, he doesn't even know she's left. Yeah. He's like, I'll just check the computer to see where she is. She knows she's dead. like, And nowhere near the lighthouse, Bo. Like,
1: yeah. And she's like, look, you know, you didn't know my, my sister was even gone yet. And he's like, lady, this is a voluntary facility. People can come and go as they please. Mm-hmm. We do not lock folk up here if she left she left like i don't we're not we're not in charge of keeping your sister under lock and key and i mean uh, he's not really saying all that he's just like what no um (laughs) what what and um
2: yeah like but there is there is like she there's a the, the, the kind of leans in my theory that this was deliberate from jules was on the way out and i think she just did this to Give her the opportunity to get the time and space to go and do what she wanted to do. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. Like, if if this was a lockdown facility, ain't no way Jules is going at that. Um, You know, if it's strictly monitored, bars on the windows, all the rest. But like, Navarro is not done here. Like, she, she, like, throws, like, she kicks a binge, throws some stuff around, and this isn't giving her the buzz that she wants. So she decides she's going to pick a pick a fight. And um, if only, Bo, if only there was a character out there who I don't know took joy in beating up women that maybe Navarro could find.
1: Yeah, and as she drove by, like, we see them outside the... uh, It's like three dudes. (laughs) There's a kind of,
2: like, head tilt. Reverse.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's... I mean, they're, like, flipping her off as she passes by on her way to the lighthouse and that kind of thing. And it's one of those, like... Not today, fellas. Like yeah. this is not the day to pull that like xenophobic bullshit cuz Navarro is not in the mood and by the way is played by a boxer. Yeah, so... and you're
2: like someone that did beat up people for reals.
1: <laughs> right. And but it, as it turns out Duncan One boxer does not a victory make because she shows up and she gets in some good licks, no doubt about it.
2: Yeah, three against one.
1: But yeah, then they end up beating the ever living fuck out of her. Yeah, and so we cut away from that ass kicking.
2: Which, like, once again, is that deliberate? Does she pick a fight with three men because she expects to get a couple of punches in, but she also wants to kind of punish herself as well? Or I think, think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I
1: definitely think there's a little bit of, I, I need to... I need
2: I, to feel something else. Right. I need yeah. to
1: put on that hair shirt. Like, if I had never taken her there, she'd still yeah. be alive. Like, that kind of stuff has to be running through her head. And so, yes, yeah, somebody... Like, she can't beat herself up. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. not physically. Uh, I'm kicking my own ass like that. <laughs> yeah. um, you stuffed her like a Thanksgiving turkey. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it, yeah, so uh, while she's getting her ass kicked, we go back to Danvers who uh, like swipes her truck into a snowbank. Yeah, and ends up, trying to
2: avoid the polar bear with the missing eye.
1: Yeah, and ends up face-to-face with him through the driver's side uh, window mm-hmm. of this one-eyed polar bear much like Duncan a certain stuffed animal um, almost as
2: if, as if I don't know the dead are trying to communicate with her
1: almost and yeah so she comes face to face with this thing um, meanwhile Navarro has made her way to Kavix and has just make, make, like walks in makes herself at home and starts cleaning well, I herself I think up. she
2: assumed he wasn't there yeah Cause she says, like, like in this conversation, she asks him. She thought he won't, he wouldn't be there on Christmas Eve. But she is like, she's patching herself up. He comes down. He, he's an interesting character. He's a very interesting character. Mm-hmm. Go on. Like he could be a killer, right? You think but, so? Like, uh, like, I, I think I'm just trying to put my true detective hat on and think about who's the least likely person to right. do something, and he's there. Um, but at the same time, he, like, he's like he been shown in the past to be weirdly nurturing towards his dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly cares a lot for Navarro mm-hmm. and uses a little bit of kind of dog psychology on her here and <laughs> repairing her. Yeah, in that if, you, if you are taking, like, Bo, you've got a dog, if you are. Taking a splinter at a dog's paw, you distract that dog first before you do it. Otherwise you get bit. Mm. Um, like and he does like the he is he's like patching her up, he's helping her. Like Navarro's broke her finger or dislocated her finger, one of the two. And I love this. This to me is like fucking great scene because he's like he has to distract her. And in order to distract her, he fake proposes to her to take her mind off it and then sets her finger. Yeah. Which, in, a, in some ways, you get this kind of howl of pain and screams of fat fuck, fuck, fuck from her, which is part of her being in pain. I also think there's part of her that may have said
1: yes. I For sure. You know, I certainly would have thought about it, right? Because Kavik seems yeah. like a good dude. Like, you know, there there's that moment at the end of the scene where, you know, she's, as, as they've been talking, she's talking about, like, how like, I, I'm alone, you're alone, Danvers is alone, like, we're all alone. And he tells her, like, no, 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 you mm. are not alone. Like, I'm here. Like, you you may feel that way, you may think that way, but you are not. You are not alone. Yeah. And and then, yeah, it does the whole, like, well, there's something I've got to ask you, and yeah. gets out on it.
2: Yeah, that's great. He sets her finger. But also in this scene, she removes the stone from her pocket with the spiral on it. Yeah, he specifically asks her what it is, and she's uh, just like something or whatever. She leaves it there. Uh huh. Um, and then later on, can't remember where she's left it. And like once again, just in the back of my head, because I'm clutching for anything at this point to try and work out who the killer is. I just he seemed very interested when he saw the symbol.
1: Yeah, yeah, I so, I agree. Uh, I think there is there is something between. Are up with him and that symbol. He knows more than he's letting. He knows off. something, yeah. Yeah.
2: Definitely. So yeah, so fuck's sake.
1: All right. Well, let's get to Christmas Day, aka the eighth day of night.
2: Also, the day that everyone is miserable. Like, <laughs> <it's just> like <laughs>
1: everyone is everyone
2: is waking up in the worst possible way, right? Well, yeah. Including Danvers, who has the hangover
1: from hell. She I feel this hangover, by the way. <laughs> like, I felt it through the screen. And like Danvers has immediately a dream of this lost kid. Yeah. And uh Navarro shows up and they first they're like fighting over the the polar bear, the stuffed polar bear that she had. Yeah. Uh, like his her, picked...
2: her kids and she makes a big scene of throwing it out the out the door in the snow. Yeah. you you happy now and then she moves into the most ill-timed monologue ever about how there is nothing after death and we are just sacks of meat and then we don't exist there is no fucking god, there are no spirits there right. is no afterlife, there is nothing, there is, is nothing there and of course that's when the virus like that, sister killed herself last night and, and he's just like, oh.
1: Yeah the dead are dead Dr. Licker, my <laughs> sister's dead but not your sister <laughs> Your sister is a spirit hovering around you. I can almost see like an aura of sorts. She's going to take care of you now. Go on now. Go on, go on, now. Go on now. Your your sister's ghost going to take care of you now.
2: It's just such a fucking awkward scene.
1: It's I, very I, funny. It's so I good. mean, it's-, it's not funny. It's just one of those things like, God damn it. I mean, Danvers, you're just like like eat your shoe it's easier eat your shoe dr who is right you're just shitty you're a shitty person and you say shitty things to people and then it blows up in your face Mm -hmm. and navarro meanwhile is like there's something in my family like it's a curse we all have it and now it's calling to me and i can feel that and danvers is like you saw something on the day that that dude got shot didn't you and I is like nah, but we also get this image of like a straight up.
2: So this is the Waller case, isn't it? Right. Yeah, it's oh, the, the Walls
1: sc- case. One, of, I can't remember the. Yeah, is. a screaming, pointing ghost, straight yeah. up, just howling. We still haven't seen who shot though. The guy who killed. No, guy. no, no. We still don't know no, that. Well,
2: we, we, that is that still to come out. But yeah. ultimately, she was spooked. um there right. seeing this but N- Navarro is like no I never well, I didn't see anything there right. was nothing there
1: and and Pete calls and is like hey I've got a picture I need to send you and, and off a picture goes we don't see yeah, it well yet. Navarro
2: at this point is like fuck you and she's out the door heading into her car and Pete sends through a her photo and isn't it a guy in a pink parka walking on the ice
1: ball right it is it, the parka that we have been searching for and so Navarro and Danvers now hit the road and go on the on the search for this man in the picture that Pete sent. And, and they go
2: to the 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 dredge. The
1: dredge, yeah, which
2: is this giant industrial fucking gold mining facility.
1: Some giant mining rig in the middle of nowhere that's like this big piece of machinery slash Quonset hut slash.
2: Yeah, so basically, to what to what dredges like because you Americans just go. Fucking crazy when it comes to industry. Uh-huh. Is a giant machine that does what a yield timey fucking gold miner does. It sifts the ground for gold like a prospector would, mm-hmm. but on a massive industrial scale. And apparently, when I did a little bit of reading here, bro, um, apparently, when because I was like, I've never fucking heard of a dredge before, uh-huh. what the fuck is that? Um, according to Wikipedia, there's a lot of references in Wikipedia to this episode. Apparently, people weren't talking about dredges until this thing came out, like me. Well, um, now now
1: uh, America's gone dredge crazy.
2: Yeah, like, but apparently like the companies that built them, like essentially when they became too expensive to run, i.e. the yield of gold they pulled from them, didn't surpass the cost of running them. You just left them. Mm-hmm. Switched them off and left them. Sure. So apparently America is just, like Alaska is just dotted with these.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, industrial... it sounds like they'd be expensive to move. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> It'd be irresponsible to, I don't know, move them. Right. Um, right, right. So, so they've just left there. So there's this facility called the dredge. And that's where this guy who we assume is the Salal guy right. um, was heading. So we are now on our way to the dredge
1: the dredge and uh they get inside this thing and immediately see a spiral on the wall and they're like all yeah. right we're in the right place
2: we're in the right place yeah
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> so as they're hunting through this place and it's like multi-story there are all these yes. like gangplanks and catwalks and uh real thin stairs running all over the place and navarro sees beneath her like jewels floating yeah. in water beneath her and so she runs off to chase the ghost of Jules. yeah while uh and with these wet footsteps by the way yeah uh, and that,
2: danvers hears a noise so she pursues
1: right and, and they think it's clark they, they're yeah. like clark clark and so danvers chases who she thinks is clark up to uh a higher floor in this yeah, big it's dredge very um, very much so yeah
2: <laughs> you're like, like facing against the corner right um, and
1: he turns around and it turns out oh my god this isn't clark this is otis heiss yes uh wearing clark's coat and we cut away from that revelation to get down to navarro who's screaming mike mike right oh, <laughs> it's who and right they're foot uh handprints of children yeah. all over the ice in this dredge. And so um, she finds this Christmas tree hooked up to a car battery in the middle of this yeah. place. And then turns around and gets another ghost scream right in the face. Yes. And I think it's Jules is the ghost that is screaming as at Jules her face. This time
2: as, as she sees her sister again. But then we're going to pause on that. Meanwhile, Danvers has a German that she's questioning who is not with us he's clearly on drugs for a start because there's a lot of drugs paraphernalia and yes. she asked him about the jacket and she asked specifically about Clark and he says that Clark has went back down underneath he's went into the night country he's we're hiding all, in the night country Yeah, we're
1: all in the night country though and I was like oh that's for the trailer Yeah, um, love it we're all <laughs> like, in the night country now <laughs> and then Danvers goes to find Navarro who we're, is...
2: assuming that we're assuming Danvers has handcuffed this German man up. Right. Secured. Our... Otherwise, she's just like a mad German list. But she goes to find Navarro. And this is the cliffhanger of the episode, Mo. Yeah.
1: Where Navarro is sitting cross-legged by this tree, strangely calm. Yeah. And when she looks up, there is blood coming out of her ears. She is bleeding from the ears. Yeah, just like people do in the night country, Duncan. Mm-hmm. And And that's it. so now Duncan yes um the question is Mm -hmm. what the fuck is going on with Navarro yep and what the fuck is Hank gonna do (laughs) now that Alina is no longer part of the picture now that he has been appropriately catfished otherwise
2: he's gonna take out on someone or everyone um you just all it takes is a, like a snide comment from Danvers, and this is going to go sideways quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, like I like to to me. What's really interesting is we have a cave network somewhere around where they are, right? It, appears to be referred to as the night country? Uh-huh. Maybe? Question mark. They've got a German guy who understands, who's still alive, who's clearly yeah. survived it, so he understands the route down there and...
1: And so let's find go it, find, it. So so find a killer.
2: Far? Yeah, well, let's, let's go find it. Like, is there anything more fucking Carcosa fucking, like, Hedge Me's but in Alaska, as the ice cave network.
1: Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's uh, right. I, uh, we've seen every classic horror movie. It's only right we get some Shining in here.
2: Of course, I am. I am. I am all. I'm all
1: over... <laughs> um, oh you know I
2: am all in. Mean? Oh Can like... you
1: imagine if this ends with Jodie Foster limping through this ice cave? <laughs> Jodie Foster, <Navarro, laughs> Doctor Lecter, and <laughs> a
2: picture in the Gold Room. Uh huh. It's like nineteen twenty-one. Uh, yeah. yeah like so yeah like I, I thought... <laughs> um... <laughs> like I thought I, 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 was it... to be honest this was the I think this is the episode that needed to have like we have two episodes and we have to have this case wrapped up like I said before you've seen episode 5 I haven't yet but like my best friend, who is like notoriously difficult to please for television, sent me a message saying episode five was fucking amazing. So I'm I'm all in on this now. We've got two episodes left to fucking tie up this mystery, find out who the killer is, and uh, and see what happens to our characters now. Like yeah. Navarro is at the end of this episode, by all intents and purposes, damaged goods. Plus, she just fucking beat up some people on the street. It's a good chance, like, the head guy's there, could she be pulled off the case? Like, Danvers, drunk driving, could she be pulled off the case? Could the case be taken off them and they have to go rogue, like, season one or true detective? Um, who the fuck knows? All I know is uh, we have two hours left and we will be done. I know. With Night I, Country. And I am still fucking loving it.
1: Yeah, it, I, I'm having a real good time with with this season. Uh, it's been a lot of fun and I like, you the know, writing,
2: I, the writing is so good. Like, yeah. See the character writing
1: is so good. Well, and it, you know, the, the characterization in this season, I think has been, you know, look, the first season is always going to be the first season, but yeah. I think the characterization in this season, and just like I was saying earlier about Like the, the fact that as they're peeling the onion on this Mm -hmm. characters do things that surprise me in a way that also makes sense for their characters. Yes. And that's a, a, that's a real neat trick to pull off. Yeah. At no point has
2: anyone done something that feels like a stretch for me.
1: Right. And also it's like, Oh, I, now I understand like the going back to Jodie Foster, maybe being a racist and you're like, Mm -hmm. Oh wait, no, that's not true. Yeah. It's just that she is awful at communicating concern for people that she loves. And it turns into this forceful kind of angry thing because she's angry at herself. She is angry at like, this goes back to a case and blah, blah, blah. It like all of that stuff. It, it just informs the characters in a way that makes them feel not just three dimensional, but, but Mm -hmm. really uh, real and Mm -hmm. um, more so than, like, as much as I love the third season, the third season feels like we're dealing with archetypes in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, yeah. and this just feels like, oh, Danvers is a a person that's a real mess. So is Navarro. So is Doctor Who. So is Pete. Like, everybody is kind of a fucking mess. Yeah. And it's, it's fun to be in the presence of those characters um, and feel like it's going somewhere, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think I think the the big thing for me is I actually am kind of glad there's only six episodes in this season. I would much rather have a six episode. I wish more shows did this. Mm-hmm. I wish Netflix would take like I wish Netflix would take this this idea of you know sometimes less is more and apply that to a lot of the programming because I feel like I watch some of these true crime series that they put out and there are three episodes and by the end, halfway mark of episode number two, I'm like that, we're stretching the story <laughs> really fucking thin yeah. to make three episodes. Like she's obviously got, she's planned this out, she knows what she's doing. Mm-hmm. This episode was a lot of character work but I feel we need that character work to kind of springboard into what is ostensibly the last third, it's the third right. act
1: so. And, like, and landing like the dismount of the episode is back in horror Yes. With like oh, this yes. Creepy dredge and all that stuff. Like, it's yeah. just it. it's it's one of my favorite things to do in the course of my week is to sit down and just especially the first time I watch it, just kind of give myself over mm-hmm. to True Detective and just be like, all right, well, what is like, where is it going to take me this week? Because I don't I don't have it figured out. And, yeah. and that's that's fun. Yeah, I like I, think I like so as well.
2: I, 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 I'm I, I'm not usually someone that enjoys watching things week to week. I'm a kinda I'm just my mentality now, I just like to binge things. Mm-hmm. But this is one of those ones where I do like yourself get excited that you know we get to talk about uh, episode five real fucking soon and then i can put this to bed with episode six so yeah um, and
1: and this time duncan you have my pledge i yes i have <laughs> seen episode five i will not have seen the the finale well, like, we don't
2: have reports. long like to, for for the listeners yeah. out there we're recording this in, in an irregular day and a mere couple of days we'll be recording episode five review and then we will both have seen episode six it can't happen Probably soon enough like I, right I will, after recording yeah
1: like like i <laughs> The the job I have done of not referencing or talking about the You've fifth done episode,
2: very, very, very well. I think you well. I accept that. There hasn't your even apology. been a gleam in your eye when I've said something that's clearly not going to happen. Yeah. Um so. I
1: look I always have a gleam in my eye because that's <laughs> that's because a lot of times I'm I'm thinking about cookies. <laughs> like, oh Samoas are good. <laughs> mm. Mm. Uh, <laughs> uh, Duncan, between now and then Mm -hmm. If someone were to uh, want to pursue more of your expertise in the field of entertainment, where would they do such a thing?
2: Yes, um, so Podcast Under the Stairs hasn't put anything out in about two weeks because I've been traveling for work a little bit and my wife has also been traveling for work, which has afforded me zero time to do anything out with like stuff that I don't have to edit. Um, So I've been doing plenty of other recordings on things I don't have to edit. However, it will be returning. By the time you hear this episode, the next episode of Podcast Under the Stairs should be out, which we'll be looking at Cannibal Holocaust. And it's 4K UHD release from 88 Films as part of the Italian collection. I've got about four of those titles banked up, so we'll probably be over the next two weeks doing back-to-back Italian collection reviews um, before I slip back into a sense of normalcy with um, just regular horror reviews. Um, Turns out there's not a lot of new stuff out at the moment that I can get my teeth sunk into, you know what I mean? So I need to inspire myself with something older um, I think to get get into, with those Italian ones which are always fun to do because you never know what you're going to fucking get. but in terms of like the actual like cinema horror releases, um, not a lot. Although Fright Fest for Glasgow is happening on the 8th and 9th of March, and I will be there as I always am. Um, but even then the film list isn't there isn't anything on the film list day where I'm like, that sounds fucking amazing. So I'm kind of hoping for the, the indie gem of a, something like a tigers are not afraid. Um mm-hmm. that blows my socks off so I can gloat about have seen something that no one else has. <laughs>
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, you're a jerk like that, and that's fine.
2: Yeah, it's tputtscast.com for everything, or podcasts under the stairs where you listen to podcasts or YouTube.
1: Yeah, and if you want to hear more out of me, you can always go to legionpodcast.com where you can find the entire backlog of uh, uh, this show, as well as The Dark Parade, uh, which is everything that I do that is horror-related. Um, sometimes not even horror-related. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a whole crocheting uh, thing that we do. <laughs> um uh we're we're talking a lot about hooks and yarns um so if you're interested in uh, a good crochet podcast as well as a podcast that might talk about the witchcraft movies hmm. uh then please uh the dark parade i think fills a very it's a very specific niche but <laughs> really, really, really the, the crocheting horror fans but uh for those out there there's no podcast like it there's just nothing yeah. that's gonna Gonna, gonna fill the the for
2: the for i believe we call them the few and the proud bow
1: yeah 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 the uh the dark par- parade crochet army uh marching forward and knitting socks and hats never to be worn but will be given as christmas gifts don't worry about it you're gonna get one of these things you're never gonna wear it you're gonna like and you're gonna have to trot it out about once a year when you when you see one of the relatives one of the many fine people that listen to the show and crochet mm-hmm. um, <laughs> so duncan there is nothing left to end the show but for me to say to my good friend duncan say good night duncan
2: to my good friend duncan say good night duncan so
1: about this crochet <laughs> it's all in the wrist baby it's all in the wrist all in the wrist
0: Ha <laughs> ha